Welcome to Let's Talk Thyroid. I'm your host, Annabelle Bateman. This podcast is here to offer you hope and strategies for your own thyroid health. I'm a thyroid coach, author, and patient. I've had Hashimoto's for well over 25 years, and I'm very much on this thyroid-friendly lifestyle journey with you. For more information, go to letstalkthyroid.com. On this episode, episode 81, we're going to talk all about diet and how to take a dietary approach to helping manage your Hashimoto's or perhaps you've got Graves disease that's similar because it's coming from an autoimmune approach. Or even if you don't have an autoimmune thyroid condition, you still need your gut health to be and liver health to be in a good way so that your body uh, can convert thyroid hormones, uh, T4 into T3 well, and, you know, just for your overall overall health. So these principles apply really regardless of uh, what whatever kind of thyroid condition you have. Now, when I talk about diet, diet itself can raise up lots of different um, emotions and thoughts in your head. So maybe even just now the word diet might trigger a whole lot of alarm bells for you. Um, I know for me, I've spent, uh, I don't know, teens, 20s, most of my 30s on a diet. That is not what we're talking about here. If you want to talk about how to get out of that dieting mentality or what it's like, you know, that whole being on a diet, I did cover a lot of that in an interview with Karen Martell uh, late last year. So it'll probably be around episode somewhere between 75 and 77 or eight around there. This is all about taking a longer term lifestyle diet approach to thyroid health. Uh, this is about the way you eat in a day in, day out, long term way. This is not about a short term weight loss approach or muscle building approach or uh, any other kind of diet. This is the longer term approach. And what I'm going to cover is a little bit about uh, what what I think I'm going to call like a ladder approach to to this sort of starting sort of at the like on the floor all the way through to right up the top of a highly um, individualized approach with uh, with lots of steps on the way. And then I'm going to at the end invite you to have a think about where on that ladder you are currently and where maybe you would like to be uh, as you look at, you know, the way you eat for your health, uh, you know, down the track. And also then I guess about how you want to get to that place on the ladder, because there are different approaches of which we're going to cover. I'm not really going to go into why diet is important. Uh, I do cover some of that in my book. Let's talk thyroid. There's three whole chapters on food uh, and why food why food is important, why, um, you know, and then how to actually do a lot of these things. There's also podcast episodes I've already done on how to go gluten-free, how to go dairy-free. There's an interview I did with Whitney Morgan on, you know, basically is gluten really such a big deal? So you can kind of explore those in other places. What I want this to be is a bit of a, like, an introduction to the most common approaches to diet for, for thyroid health. And just bear in mind that diet is just one part of the overall thyroid-friendly lifestyle 
puzzle that needs to be unpacked. It is a pretty key part. I think there's very few people who can get away with making no dietary changes for their long-term optimal thyroid health and feeling amazing. If you're one of them, more power to you. I think we're all a bit jealous, but I don't think that's normal. I think most of us will have to make some changes if we want optimal health. Uh, but the other, the other, oh, there's probably other more than four parts, but the four that I identified in my book, Let's Talk Thyroid, are mindsets. So really getting that long-term approach, um, understanding that it is a lifestyle approach, coming to terms with the fact that you have a condition that you can't really get rid of. Uh, even if you can put it into remission, you still have to manage your health long-term. Uh, unwinding, which is all about managing stress and staying out of that fight or flight as much as we can, food uh, and uh, low-tox living, so reducing our toxic exposure. So they're kind of four key areas that I think that all of us will need to address over time. So food is one. It's not um, – yeah, so just bear in mind that – you might have made all the dietary changes that you can and you've explored individualized approach and you're still not feeling at your optimal health. Uh, there's plenty of other aspects of that thyroid-friendly lifestyle to explore. So I'm going to explain what, what, what I've put on this ladder that I'm going to talk about and then we'll go through each step. So right on the ground before you've even stepped into, onto the ladder is kind of the standard Western diet. They call it in Australia and America the, the SAD diet, standard American diet or standard Australian diet. Uh, it tends to be kind of fairly high carb, fairly processed food, you know, takeaway, um, you know, prepackaged meals, just we, we eat for convenience and we're busy and we're tired or perhaps we haven't learned how to cook. Um, there's a whole lot of reasons that go into that, but that's sort of your, your basic kind of, you're going to eat whatever you want, when you want, you haven't made any changes. Uh, that's, that's like on the ground. Then we've got the next rung up would be just clean eating. I'm going to come back to what that means. Then we've got removing some particularly some particular dietary triggers. It might be like I've gone gluten-free or dairy-free or sugar-free. Then we've got paleo. Then we've got autoimmune paleo or autoimmune protocol. And then on top of that, that you've probably got things like your IgG food sensitivity testing, uh, things like exploring FODMAP foods. There could be other things at that top end of the ladder. Now, that doesn't mean... We're all trying to get to the top of the ladder. This is just sort of, you know, my basic explanation so that there are different levels of diet. And ultimately, you don't want to live at the top of the ladder. Uh, even if you have to go there to work out what's optimal for you, you don't want to live. You don't really don't want to live at the top. Uh, and so, you know, we'll, we'll talk in a little bit about how to get to those different different parts. But that's what I'm going to cover. So first of all, the base level that really whether you've got a thyroid condition or not, we should all be aiming for that first rung of diet, uh, dietary approach or the way we eat. And that's clean eating. So that's just removing from our diet as many kind of processed chemicals, additives that we can. So that's taking out things like artificial food colorings, flavorings, preservatives, all the numbers that you see, you know, on the labels. It's, eating where we can fruit and vegetables that 
uh, aren't sprayed in lots of chemicals. So perhaps they're organic or perhaps they're spray fit free or perhaps they've even grown in your own back garden. <laughs> I've got tomatoes. That's pretty much all I've been able to grow. <laughs> but I've got tomatoes. Oh, and a few sweet potatoes. So uh, start small. So if you can uh, just clean up your clean up your diet from removing those things, that's a really healthy start for everyone. So that might mean, you know, doing your fruit and vegetable and your food shopping from a butcher, a local fruit and veggie co-op, or at least the grocery, you know, the food, you know, the fruit and veggie store, or like I get a lot, a lot of my vegetables as part of a home delivery service, or, um, yeah, there's different ways we can reduce that sort of chemical toxic exposure in our food. Maybe it's just if you do shop in a, in a big supermarket, it's staying around the outside where your fresh fruit and veggies and your meat and your um, refrigerated products tend to be and staying out of the aisles with all the pre-packaged sauces and ready-made kits and pastes and all that kind of thing as much as possible. So that's clean eating. Now, the next step up the ladder would be to remove particular things that you think might be triggering. Uh, And when I say triggering, I kind of mean setting off some sort of inflammatory response in your body. Now that could be you feel bloated. It could be you've got brain fog. It could be that your joints ache. Um, So really when we're starting to talk about removing foods, it's my understanding from all I've read and the experts I've spoken to and from my own experience that we should, from an autoimmune health at least perspective, be looking at taking an anti-inflammatory approach to our health. That's really the approach that we should be taking. So often I'll hear people say, well, I've gone gluten-free or I'm partly gluten-free. Now, you can dive into that partly gluten-free discussion in the Whitney Morgan episode, but taking um, some of those individual, you know, gluten-free, dairy-free, sugar-free, some of those things out, that maybe that's enough for you. Um, and that that can be an easier next step up if you don't want to launch straight into paleo, autoimmune paleo. You could just try taking out some of those foods and see how you go. Um, but it may not be enough, particularly if you're first starting out in making some dietary changes uh, or if your gut health's not really great or your thyroid health isn't great, your antibodies are really high, um, it might not be enough. But it could be where you end up coming back to. So the next level up um, is paleo taking a paleo approach. And I have to say, this is my basic approach is a paleo approach. I have dabbled up the ladder and down the ladder. Um, but really this was, um, you know, that, that paleo is all about removing typically inflammatory foods. And so, you know, it's gluten, grains, dairy, sugars, legumes, and alcohol. So, and again, you can, you know, it can be hardcore at some periods of time, a little bit looser at others. Uh, We've just coming, I'm recording this in middle of January, 2023, just come out of being away on holidays and Christmas. And definitely my paleo has been a bit looser at the edges the last month or so. So for me, it's time to rein it in a little bit, but that paleo approach removes those typically inflammatory foods. And for a lot of us, 
with autoimmune conditions, that tends to be where, you know, it's not a bad um, default. And when I talk to different professionals, uh, health professionals, doctors, integrative doctors, nutritionists, naturopaths, they tend to find that with most of their autoimmune um, Hashimoto's patients, that paleo is a pretty good base. So, and I, and I guess for me, that's where I started 10 years ago on this, you know, food approach to uh, to my thyroid health. Uh, I did a 30-day paleo challenge and for the first time in a very long time, I actually felt good. I didn't feel bloated after I ate all the time, which I had thought was normal. I had thought, oh, I must have just been greedy and lazy and, you know, um, but actually worked out that I'd obviously been eating things that were, that just didn't work for me. And that's the approach I take with people who do my course. My kickstart course is based around 30 days of paleo. Uh, that's what I talk about in my book. So that's kind of my middle of the road um, starting point that is challenging. Like if you're on the ground at the standard diet, to jump to paleo can be a big step. Um, and I understand that. So we're going to talk in a little bit about how to get there if that's where you want to get. The next step up again from paleo generally is considered to be autoimmune paleo. Sometimes it's called autoimmune protocol, or you might see it referred to as AIP. The AIP approach is not intended as a long-term lifestyle. Paleo can be long-term. AIP is not generally considered to be where you want to sit long-term as a the way you eat day in, day out. It's a bit too restrictive but it can be a really helpful elimination process. Uh, if you've kind of tried paleo and, you know, there's still a few niggly things that aren't working for you, taking it that next level might be where you need to go. Some people will start straight at autoimmune paleo. It will depend a bit on how bad you feel <laughs> and how willing you are just to dive right in or whether you want to ease into something. That can be a personality thing. It can be a how bad or good you feel. I would like to say that I think there's a lot of us, because I was definitely in this category, that just don't know how good you can feel. I think there's a lot of us, and perhaps this is you, that you just put up with a lot of low-grade feeling a bit average. You know, you might feel bloated after dinner, you might get cramps, you might get headaches, you might be low energy, you might have joined aching joints, you might be bit brain foggy, but you think, oh, well, it's just normal. I'm getting older. I'm going through menopause or whatever. Um, I would challenge you to give one of these different approaches a go if you haven't already, because, well, maybe it won't work for you, but what if it does? What if making some changes could actually radically change the way you feel and give you energy to get on with your life? So the autoimmune protocol, which as I said, not designed for long-term. Some people will use it for six, eight, 12 weeks as a bit of a healing protocol. And often that is a good idea to do that in conjunction with working with a health practitioner, like a naturopath or a nutritionist or your doctor, so that they can help you with that. But on top of paleo, the autoimmune protocol also removes eggs, nuts and seeds, which... Um, and 
Nightshades. So nightshades are a category that include things like tomatoes, chilies, capsicum, eggplant. There's a whole list you could Google uh, nightshades, but they um, can be inflammatory for a lot of people. So that's removed in the autoimmune protocol. On top of that, and I know this is all sounding like, oh my gosh, what is left? But I'm going to tell you in a minute what's left and what to make it priority to actually include in your diet (laughs) so you don't think there's nothing left um is this is where it can be worth exploring your own individual food sensitivities and i did have a couple of people ask questions in the let's talk thyroid facebook community one was about igg testing so that's um food sensitivity testing is it reliable um and how long does it last like how long can you rely on that that result for So it's not something I've personally done. Um, I haven't done that I can remember. (laughs) I've tried lots of things in the past, but I can't remember ever having IgG testing done. Normally it would be done in conjunction with a doctor or a health practitioner who can refer for those tests and help you to interpret them and understand them. Uh, But the research that I've done and, you know, particularly I got this information from Dr. Karatsian, who I highly respect and have learned a lot from, is that IgG testing can be really helpful for food sensitivity. Not, It's not for food allergy testing. That's quite different. Um, but it is a point in time test. So it's really saying this is what your body um, is sensitive to at this point in time. Now, if you embark on a food healing, gut healing protocol for a period of time, maybe your body, if you were to retest it in three, six months time, could actually change that maybe you're less sensitive to some things. So that is where I highly recommend working with a practitioner on that, but that that could perhaps be really helpful for you. Uh, the naturopaths I've worked with use um, kinesiology, which is, uh, I guess, It's different to IgG testing and I have found it personally really quite helpful in terms of, again, it's a point in time assessment. How does my body respond to different um, foods or different things? Um, They use muscle testing. I know not everybody likes that approach, but I have personally found it really helpful. I really trust my naturopaths and, you know, it's just experientially I've found it to be accurate. (laughs) So that's um, something that I've used perhaps probably as an alternative to the IgG if I think about it. And the other thing in that sort of pointier end of really kind of working out on an individual level what's going on for you, the other question that I was asked in the thyroid group is um, was about FODMAPs. Now, this is, again, not something I've had personal experience with. Uh, I have not deliberately followed a low or no FODMAP diet. Uh, but in, you know, like as a snapshot, like as an overview, a FODMAP um Essentially, they're short chain carbs that your your digestive system doesn't digest, and so they end up fermenting and can cause things like irritable bowel syndrome. They um, and you know come some similar symptoms to just like your bloating, flatulence, um, cramping, those type of um, those type of symptoms. But FODMAPs can be found in things like fructose, lactose, fructans. Um, lactans, I don't know what some of these things are, polyols, which are sugar alcohols, can be found in some kind of really common foods like garlic and onions, um, apples, dates, pears. So some random, well, maybe they're not random, but if you're just thinking, well, I am following a, uh, I'm eating lots of fruit and vegetables and, you know, 
I don't understand, but I'm still having problems. It might be worth then doing a bit of a dive, a read up on FODMAPS. So F-O-D-M-A-P-S, it's an abbreviation or an, an acronym for something that I can't pronounce. <laughs> so just, but if you just type in FODMAP, you'll find it into a search engine. And that might help to pinpoint some things that are causing problems for you. So that's the ladder from no change to highly individualized change. That's the ladder. There's probably many other steps in between. Perhaps there's other um, things at the pointy end that uh, the top end that you might want to explore that I haven't thought of for this episode. And we can probably explore at other points if you bring them to my attention or if I can find an expert to talk about them uh, with. But what I want you to do now is just have a think about where on that ladder are you currently? Are you on on the ground? You haven't really ever thought or known to make any changes for your thyroid health. If that's you, that's really normal. Like pretty rarely do doctors tell you, most doctors will tell you, take your thyroid medication. That's all you can do. You can't do anything to impact antibodies. Um, which is not true. Um, and so you might have been taking thyroid medication for 20 years and, and never known that there's anything else you can do. That is completely fine because now you know. Now you know that there are things that you could do. Perhaps you're at the gluten-free level and um, you think that's enough or maybe you're gluten-free most of the time. Uh, and essentially, if you're gluten-free most of the time, you're gluten-free none of the time. You're either 100% gluten-free or you're not gluten-free. I know that sounds really hard. It's a hard pill to swallow. But once you've got your head around it, it's actually easier. I honestly believe it's much easier. Because uh, you don't have to debate every time whether you're going to have it or not. <laughs> That's one of the reasons. So, um, but perhaps you're thinking, well, I've been gluten-free for a while, but I still think there's a few things that aren't working for me well maybe you could explore paleo um perhaps you're at paleo but you know there's a few you know you can kind of just work your way up and down the ladder depending on where you're at but i want you to actually think now about where you are at and then think about well all right so if you do want to make some changes where do you think you would like those changes to start on the ladder and I'm going to tell you about two main approaches that I talk about in my book, Let's Talk Thyroid, that might be helpful for you to think about which category you fall into. And there's not a right or a wrong. It's just a whichever way is the, is the right way for you. So one is, well, it's either being a turkey or a frog. Now, if you are a turkey, <laughs> uh, I'm a turkey, uh, you tend to jump all into things or not at all. You're a bit all or nothing or perhaps your health is at a state where you're like, right, I've just got to make a major change. No mucking around. I just need to make a significant change. That's like jumping all in. That's probably where you would either jump straight to paleo or autoimmune paleo. That would probably be that kind of, I'm going to go cold turkey. I'm going to give it a good, I would say minimum 30 days, a good month trial before I make any, you know, before I kind of then reassess it. And I'm going to be really strict about it because, you know, you want to see, get your best bang for your buck with your effort. So that's kind of the turkey approach. You can also have a turkey approach even to going gluten-free. Like, and that's just, a, you know, 
bottom. So you can have a turkey approach to eat any of these things. But uh, I would say if you're listening to this and you kind of in the, towards the bottom of the ladder, the, the, the turkey approach would be diving straight into paleo or into auto, autoimmune paleo. If you're more of a frog, now a frog, when you think about that frog in a pot scenario, where if you throw a pot, a frog into boiling water, it's just going to jump straight out. So maybe for you jumping straight into that is like, it's going to be too hard, too much, too stressful, too deprivational. And you might be able to hack it for a week, but then you're just going to give up and go right back to the bottom of the ladder again. Maybe it's a bit like snakes and ladders. Um, we don't want that because what we're looking for is a long-term approach. So, but if you put a frog in a cold pot of water and gradually raise the temperature of the water, you'll end up cooking the frog. You'll end up getting, you know, fully absorbed into that approach. So the frog in this scenario might start with going gluten-free. Maybe would start with trying gluten, you know, gluten-free, you know, and you're doing gluten-free alternatives like gluten-free pasta, gluten-free bread, you know. I I would encourage you, if you can, not just switch those out. That would be helpful. But maybe that's just an easier place for you to start. And then gradually, you know, you kind of think, well, maybe I can do zucchini noodles instead of gluten-free pasta. Or maybe I can find a paleo bread instead of my gluten-free bread from the supermarket. Or, you know, but, but you start with those switching out the things into the gluten gluten-free options. And then, you know, then maybe that's enough for you or you can then make gradual changes once you're seeing the difference. Perhaps you're already at the paleo level, but you just want to kind of creep up into trying a few of those other things to see if there's other foods that are irritating for you. So that's the turkey or the frog. So you work out where you are at, where you want to be and how you want to get there. That is totally um, up to you. I always recommend working with health professionals, finding yourself a good holistic um, general practitioner, integrative medicine doctor, um, a you know, other health practitioner that knows about thyroid health, uh, someone like a naturopath, a nutritionist. I think they're all good people to have in your uh, support group, your support team. Uh, I also would say um, that... I know realistically that for a lot of you, a, you know, it can be really hard to find good health practitioners. <laughs> I get that. Even living in a major city, that can be struggle. But for many people, I know you live in regional areas or, you know, you just don't have access, easy access to good medical care. Or you've got a what you've got an appointment, but it's three months away. Or it's just completely out of your budget right now. So I understand all of those scenarios. So what I would say is why not make some of these diet and lifestyle changes? Remembering there's still, you know, the mindset, stress, low tox part of the lifestyle as well. Why not make some of those changes anyway? Because the reality is your doctor or your naturopath's not in the kitchen with you when you're cooking your dinner. You're going to have to make those changes well, you're probably going to have to make those changes anyway. Why not give them a go before, you know, you can access the, the additional help that you might need? I'm not saying instead of, I'm never going to say that, um, don't, don't mishear me, but I also know that not everyone is in that position all the time. And so why not do what you can do uh, without 
this, you know, it's really just going to cost you the cost of the food. Uh, it's not going to cost you anything else. I do have lots of resources, as I said, already on the podcast. So check out, the, I'll put the links in the show notes to other related episodes. And there's quite a few, uh, but there would be the going gluten-free, going dairy-free, the gluten-free with Whitney Morgan, unfunctal gut with uh, Dr. Kozlowski. Um, they're the ones that I can think of off the top of my head. Uh, so obviously got my book, Let's Talk Thyroid, where I do go into quite a bit of detail about food because I think it is a major part. There's three whole chapters just on food, the how, the why, and the, you know, really how to really implement it with food ideas and recipe ideas and recipes, what I cook, how to cook with, you know, a family that doesn't always follow the same dietary plan as you. And I've also got my Kickstart program. So that is a 30-day paleo-oriented program that is ready to go whenever you're ready. Uh, I do from time to time do group intakes. At the moment I'm working on another idea for later on, you know, to start probably in March. So, um, the, but the kickstart program is there ready to go. It is, and it's delivered via email. You also get a downloadable workbook, um, a journal, a, um, recipe book, you get loads of support in your daily emails. You get um, there's access in the Facebook group. You can always email me, message me. Um, I'm there to help you throughout the whole time. And that that is based around a paleo approach. What else have we got that we can support you with? Um, they're probably the main podcast, book, kickstart program. They're probably the key things of what I offer. There's loads of recipes online. If you search for paleo or autoimmune paleo recipes or whole 30, like you'll just, you'll find lots of recipes. There's lots and lots of, you know, really yummy, delicious food. You will not feel like you are missing out. Um, you want to include good quality animal protein, good quality, healthy fats. Uh, so avoiding your seed oils and um, you know, highly processed oils, uh, fruit, fruits and vegetables, you know, lots of that. Uh, I am definitely not no carb. I think so. Um, I do understand that many of us, we do need some carbs. This is not, I'm not promoting a, a no carb or particularly low carb, but lots of carbs from your fruit and veggies. Um, things to include, uh, aside from all that nutrient dense food, uh, I think from when you're looking from an anti-inflammatory approach, I really like to include ginger and turmeric in a lot of my cooking. Ginger and turmeric are both very anti-inflammatory. They're great for your joints. They're great for your gut. They're great for your immune system. Um, turmeric's really great for your skin. Ginger might be too. I'm just not quite sure. Uh, really easy to cook with. Uh, so just to include them, including things like Brazil nuts are good for selenium. So a couple of Brazil nuts a day, you know, can be really good because selenium is good for thyroid health. Including some fermented foods can be a good idea too for our putting some healthy bacteria into our gut biome. So things like kimchi, sauerkraut, kombucha, water kefir, those types of fermented foods and drinks. Um, what else do we want to do? I think, um, I think that's probably a, a good wrap up. That's a good summary, uh, of the, the ladder of, you know, dietary approach, remembering that what you're ultimately looking for, and it might take you a couple of months through to even a couple of years, um, to figure this out. But ultimately what you're looking for 
is the long-term lifestyle, the way I can eat day in, day out with a bit of wiggle room either side and know that I'm going to be feeling good, your thyroid health's going to be good, your antibodies are healthy or they're, they're reducing that's what you that's what we're aiming for when we're talking about the best diet for Hashimoto's and ultimately the best diet is the one that's going to leave you you feeling good it's going to leave you with energy um, no gut issues you're going to have clear brain <laughs> clear mind uh, and you know the ultimate goal um, I think is so that you can actually go and live your life offer all of your gifts talents abilities, um, to the people around you and fulfill your purpose in your life. And it's very hard to do that if you're feeling really tired or you're in pain or you, you know, got to be close to a toilet. Um, you know, all of those things just put a bit of dampener on you living the, your best life. And I don't know that I really like that term, living your best life, maybe, but I do believe on a very fundamental level that our purpose in life is to offer all that we have and can be and all our best, you know, gifts, talents, skills, experiences to the world around us, whatever that world is. Maybe that's your family and your friends and your workplace. Maybe that's a little bit beyond that. Doesn't really matter whatever your world is for you. And if I can help you do that by offering you some information and some tips and support and some chat some coaching along the way, then I guess I feel like that's helping me to fulfill some of my purpose too. So that is the wrap up on the best diet for Hashimoto's. Before you hang up um, or hit stop, I do want to let you know that from Monday, I'm starting a completely new little episode, weekly episodes that will land on the podcast on a Monday that are going to be short 10-minute coaching style episodes. So they're going to be called KISS Thyroid Coaching. KISS meaning keep it super simple. Thyroid coaching sessions, 10 minutes or less. That's my char- That's my challenge <laughs> to stop, not waffle. But the idea being that we'll talk about one, one small aspect of living a thyroid-friendly lifestyle. And I'll invite you to think about one thing, maybe make one change, one bit of research, one thing for the week. Because I really want to be helping you to bring that into your life. Uh, So that's look out for that on Mondays. This podcast will continue every second Thursday, mostly with interviews, some longer form um, discussions, solo episodes like this, but mostly interviews with experts from around the world. I've got a whole list of people that I'm about to book in for um, interview appointments. Uh, I've got lots of topics that we want to cover. So lots of stuff to come up with that. That will be every second Thursday as it has been for the last couple of years. That's a good pace for me to maintain my own thyroid health and sanity. Uh, And sometimes I think, oh, I want to put that out weekly too, but uh, I'm just going to pace myself, see how I go with the the weekly 10-minute coaching episodes and the fortnightly longer form Let's Talk Thyroid episodes. So have a fabulous week or fortnight, everyone. Really looking forward to getting back into 2023. And um, yeah, here's to better thyroid health for us all. Bye. This podcast, whether you're listening or watching, is intended to be positive and practical coaching style information, but it is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure or prevent any disease, including any thyroid disease, and it should not be used as a substitute for proper advice from a qualified professional. 
Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Let's Talk Thyroid. If you have enjoyed the content or perhaps you're thinking, oh, my mum needs to hear this or my sister or my bestie, I would love it if you would share this episode with them. That really just helps spread the positive and practical message of Let's Talk Thyroid and helps um, that broader thyroid community, our friends and family to live well with their thyroid health. So you can just share the episode. If you subscribe uh, on whatever platform you're listening to, uh, to this podcast, it's free. Uh, It's really helpful because then you'll be notified every time a new podcast comes out and it just makes it much easier to find. There's usually a little subscribe button or a bell or um, follow often is the terminology. So if you wouldn't mind doing that, that would be helpful. Of course, if you want to leave a review, even better, just a sentence or two about how the podcast has helped you. You can definitely connect with me via letstalkthyroid.com. That's where you'll find access to my book, my coaching, uh, my freebies, and really everything that I offer in terms of thyroid support.